Hey everyone, my name is Yaro, and you're listening to the Creative Nature Podcast. Really happy to have you, and so delighted to share a beautiful interview with Danette Redick with you. Danette is an, a total dream babe, a wonderful human being, and someone who has over the years really inspired me in so many ways. Um, I have already been fangirling a little bit before Danette and I started getting into the interview, so. I won't say too much now, but it's a beautiful episode to listen to. I think if you're thinking about your relationship with yourself right now, about where you are and, you know, how you navigated this time and how it's changed you and what you want to commit to. So Annette has a beautiful program coming up and she's running a podcast that's truly one of my favorites. And I'm linking to both these things in the show notes as well. A few updates from me. We did our grief tending circle last weekend, which was really lovely. And I'm going to be offering more of those for free soon. Um, So stay tuned for dates and sign up for my newsletter so you'll know about them. Um, Over at Yarrow Digital, the Embodied Business Community is opening this Sunday on August 8th, um, 15 spots. And you can still, um, you know, get on the wait list and... Check that out if you like. It's a year-long support program for your business that's very holistic and and nourishing, I think. Yeah. And then you gave me lots of feedback. Um, I invited you to use my form. I'm going to link to the form again just in case maybe you haven't heard or you hadn't had a chance. That's okay. I still am so curious to hear what you would like me to offer. But many of you have gotten back to me and I've... um kind of on a Saturday night, almost like in a dream, downloaded this program that I'm so excited to run in November and December this year. It's called Mending Together, and it's exploring slow stitching and embroidery as a way to, uh, yeah, reflect on the year, be together, make something of meaning for ourselves that's kind of intimate and textile and sensual. I really love textile art. I have so many ideas to share. I'm not a pro myself, but I'm very good at curating um, stuff. I've made some Pinterest boards for everyone already. I'm going to record a lot of um, videos kind of really showing you different uh, stitches and then we'll have five live sessions together. And it's starting mid-November and runs till um, the 26th of December. And you might say, I'm a bit, you know, that's, this is a long shot. I understand. I agree. Um, but I'm feeling... I think where my anxiety at the moment is going is thinking about winter. Last winter has been hard and I really want this coming winter to be so cozy and regenerative and just this really wonderful cocoon in which we can process together. So that made me already set up this program now and some people have already signed up, which is amazing. So I'll link to that in the show notes as well. And um yeah i'm open to more feedback to hear more about what you would like me to offer and creative space sessions are coming back in september as well so thank you so much for listening i really hope you'll get as much out of this interview with danette as i did hi everyone as you know the best interviews are always the giggly ones i'm speaking to the most beautiful person called danette relic today i She's been on the podcast before, and I don't want to say too much and give too much away, but I 
want to tell you that I've known Danette for so many years, I think maybe seven or eight, because I know that we worked together in my Saturn return and I'm 35 now. So that has been a long time. And in the very beginning, I came across your work through Firefly Creative Writing and you were my writing mentor. And we had such a lovely time back then kind of looking at my writing and helping me find a voice. I was working on a completely different book project back then, but such is life, you know, <laughs> that was a really important part of the journey. And I really think I, in so many ways, needed to work with exactly you at that time. And it was so wonderful to have all your encouragement and creative reflection. And you just have such a dreamy and expansive and really shameless way of thinking about art and creative expression. And many years ago, you started focusing on self-marriage and the relationship that we have with ourselves. And that right from the start made so much sense to me. I was like, yes, that is what it needed to be. And that's, yeah, that's really how I see you. And, and then we worked together this past winter, which was such an interesting time in my life because I remember starting out in the container that we agreed on and really loving it but saying to you I think I could do with a bigger challenge or like you know there's there's so much more here that I want to explore and then I had an accident falling over breaking my leg in this terrible way and was in hospital for 10 days and it, it opened up all these new questions in my life careful what you ask for yes about pacing and mm. who I am and what my body is and what I want from life and what it means to be in movement and all that stuff and you were again there um holding me in that space and we did a lot of really beautiful work together that I know is going to stay with me for many years to come I was just reading our shared note document again the other day and I was like yeah you know it's really important to pause in these moments and see that things do really change and touch us in different ways and that in fact especially this past year and a half hasn't been just this slog of endless same days in which nothing really happened when actually a lot has happened and shifted in some difficult and some really good ways so that was a very long fangirl intro (laughs) I love it hello hi there (laughs) thank you so much for being here and making time I'm so Um, excited to talk to you (laughs) yeah same here it's a total pleasure and I I love being introduced with the word shameless. I, don't, I think that's a first. <laughs> here's, here's the intro. Danette is shameless. I'm like, yes. <laughs> Isn't it's it so just good. The best? so good. Oh my yes. God, being shameless is the best. It's just, it is. And yeah. it's, you know, these words, right? It's like, we don't think of shameless as a compliment. Mm. I think, I mean, of course it is like free of mm. shame. Yeah. Beautiful, right? And just yeah. like the word um, selfish is such a weird word, I think, because mm. it's, like I think I think the definition is like to be full of self and it's like mm. that's being whole like yeah why is why are these why is being free of shame and being whole why are we using these as insults mm-hmm. right like yeah yeah very good questions yeah totally <laughs> Ooh. so you are the first person in a way that I'm interviewing in this new podcast format that I'm not even really sure about yet so for context we're recording this in July 2021 at the end of the month and the name of the podcast has changed and I haven't really interviewed anyone I think since February 
Um, and so I'm taking a break, bringing older recordings out, which is a backlog that I have. But one of the first questions that I want to ask people moving forward is what is your creative nature? Because that's now the title of the podcast. And that's a question that's been really big for me. So um, I'm just curious to see what you have to say to that. Yeah, I, what a beautiful question. And what a beautiful name for the podcast, too. I love creative nature. It could, you know, be so many things. When I think about it, too, it's like, I don't think this is a question I've really thought, you know, the way it's phrased, I haven't thought about it or thought of reflected, actually, on what that is, like what the nature of my creativity is. Um, I think that for me, if I look back through everything I've done, I think the way I, the way I, um, my nature is to like I'm guided by my senses and imagination. So it'll be like the way something feels, the way something like my attraction, like if I was like a honeybee, you know, I'm like looking around for the things that are like just whatever feels nice, like feels nice on the body, feels nice to the ear, uh, be and then following that curiosity. And imagination is another one because it was ever since I was a kid, and even with any art projects later in life, it would be just imagining it first imagining what if imagining like I used to watch like Sesame Street when I was a kid and there was some kind of sketch where there was like a New York City the outside of a building with a little flower box or a little garden box outside of the window and they would zoom in and there'd be these little puppets called Tweedlebugs I don't know if you know <laughs> what I'm talking about like things like this thrilled me so then I start you know they had a milk carton for a house so then I started seeing milk cartons as houses and imagining villages and you know so it's, it's like a sense of play but it comes from just yeah just imagining things that aren't there yet whether I actually put them into being or not and another um the last part that about my creative nature that is important um that I have embraced finally is that I do things in certain kinds of growing cycles, you know, like sometimes people maybe would focus on one, we're talking about like a, a garden or some growing something in nature, you know, one plant, like I'm going to grow an apple tree. I'm going to focus on the best apple tree. And mine is like, I typically will work on many plants at once. And because my focus is moving from plant to plant they're not like the harvests are a little bit stretched out. Like there'll be like five years of tinkering and cultivating and nurturing and going back and forth. And then there'll be this like abundant harvest and bloom at some point with all of them together. I used to do this with uh, paintings, didn't do one at a time. I'd have like three or five on the go and kind of bounce around from one to the other. Um, and, you know, right now I'm like, I've been working on a book for many years. I've been developing a program and a bunch of other creative things at some point when it gets closer to the harvest, I have to, you know, switch focus. But uh, typically there's like longer, like maybe five year growth cycles of uh, a diverse garden of projects. I think that's, <laughs> yeah, that's, that's, uh, that's the growing cycle of my creative nature. Mm. Yeah. I love that so much. Yeah. That's beautiful. Very good metaphor. Mm. Yeah. Thanks. I loved in your short bio something you said, and I might be, paraphrasing the slightly wrong but it says something along the lines of I've always wanted to fall in love and I always wanted to be an artist and I was like oh my god <laughs> me too <laughs> yes uh, and isn't yeah. that just everything like how do you, do you think there's people out there who wouldn't say yes to that you know who yeah it made me feel like ah oh, right like yeah but that's that's just everything like what is is there yeah 
well, yeah, we are kindred in, in this. I do think there's people who, yeah, don't think about that. It's hard for me to imagine. And I didn't really put those, those I didn't distill it down until like maybe a few years ago when I was looking back. Um, like, what were my two goals? Like, what's what's filling all my journals? What were my obsessions, you know? And why did I, as a small child, love the movie Flashdance so much? <laughs> like, I was just so, you know, it's like, this is this creative person with a dream. And then there's this love story. And I'm just realizing, I'm like, there's this, there's these, these two stories that were always a part of whatever fantasy I had at any moment. It was like crushing on people, imagining love, imagining falling in love, imagining discovering and like I just loved any kind of romance stories and then I just loved seeing artists and I think as a kid too I didn't realize that um when I wanted to be an artist what that meant as a kid I, I was given like the op like oh well if you're an artist then you paint and if you're an artist you go to art school or whatever but I didn't realize that actually what attracted me to being an artist was because those were the people I saw doing whatever the hell they wanted. Like, those are the only, I was like, Cindy Lauper was my first like rock star, you know, my first concert. And I was like, loved her hair, loved her clothes, loved her weirdness. And I was like, she gets to do what she wants. And I didn't see that happening in other professions or other identities, right? Like there were grownups that were still having fun doing whatever they wanted to do. So it's like love and freedom, you know? Yeah, these were definitely the themes coming through, which is funny, of course, now because you know, now I'm teaching the art of self-marriage and when it kind of like finally came together, I was like, oh, this is, this has been my work forever. Like this is, I always thought these were separate things. My coaching work, the self-love, self-marriage stuff kind of emerged and I'd always been an artist and had that side of me. And then when I, you know, you could, I couldn't force them together. It's kind of like they're two plants that suddenly just started weaving around each other and becoming one. And I was like, this makes so much sense. And it makes so much sense to bring the art part into love because I feel like, you know, when you think, when you see the world through the eyes of an artist, through like an artist mindset and you love like an artist might love, it just opens up all of these beautiful possibilities. My whole body is just like nodding along. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you're so right. That's so true. I would, um, I mean, yes, this covers most of my question already, which would have been like, how did you get into this work? But maybe we can dig a little bit deeper into how you got married to yourself and how that felt and how that, how you first became a coach as well. Have you, I mean, have you ever not been a creative coach, Zanette? That, that would surprise me. <laughs> That's a good question. Oh, God. Yeah. I mean, as a kid, I was I was fortunate in the sense that my, my dad had a job that brought, um, he worked on a printing press and there was a lot of paper there that he got to bring home. So like we were just a weird household that got, I got boxes and boxes of white paper in different sizes and all this stuff. And I didn't realize that like other houses didn't have this resource, right? This was like, and so I just didn't have, like, I got to practice. I had, I had these resources to support me drawing, imagining and doing all that stuff. And then when I was around other kids in drawing, I assumed that everybody liked to draw like I did. And uh, it wasn't always the case. Like I remember some other, like, sm like a little friend of mine being upset because, you know, my, I practiced so much. So, you know, my drawings were, you know, when I say good, what I mean is representational. 
It was the kind of drawing that the adults would say, oh, that's very nice. That that looks like a real house, right? Which I know, and I think your listeners know, this is not the only way to measure whether art is good or bad, if whatever that means. But I benefited from that in the sense that I got a lot of encouragement, right? Because my work, my stick people had five fingers and nails, you know, like I was putting like a lot of detail apparently on them, <laughs> um, including drawing like a neighbor in the shower. Like I put like, it was still a stick person, but I added boobs and like a shower cap or something. I don't know. Um, anyway, so I had the encouragement, but I realized that like not everybody did that and not everybody liked it. And I remember that feeling of disconnect because I, I wanted to connect and draw with my friend and then she'd feel sad about that her work didn't look like mine. And then it was like, oh, my creativity um, makes people not want to be with me, right? Or it has them retreat and specifically feel bad about themselves. And I remember that little moment, just that little pang of separation, which then continued into like years later, I was um, part of an artist co-op downtown Toronto we shared a gallery space and had shows. So I was, you know, exhibiting work there. And when people would come to the shows, they would they would do the same thing. It was like, you're so lucky. I can't draw a stick person. Like all those stories about I'm not an artist identity, all these wounds from child, they were those kids, right? And again, I was like, I'm trying to like develop and share my gifts. And it just feels wrong that when I'm sharing my gifts, it's making people feel shitty about themselves. I'm assuming we can swear. <laughs> Okay, great. <laughs> we got a thumbs up. <laughs> so, you know, and that was, that was what led me to coaching. So I think I might've been trying to encourage people at a younger age, um, but they just didn't buy it from me. Cause it was like, uh, easy for you to say, Jeanette, like, you know, you're the artist in the class. So like, they didn't listen and I couldn't connect with them. So it was realizing it was around that time where I had the realization that when I wanted to be an artist, it was actually wanting to be free. <laughs> it was actually wanting to just do whatever the hell I wanted to do. And that I was so much more interested in the creative process than the outcome. Like, I think I'd followed that art path that I, the narrow one that I had knew existed, which is you make paintings, then you show your paintings, then you sell your paintings and, and you do that in a gallery. And like, that's not the only way to be a creative person in the world. But I ended up on that path realizing I didn't care. I just didn't, <laughs> just didn't care about it. And I thought it was kind of bullshit. Like, my paintings weren't better than someone else's. Like, and that wasn't me being self-deprecating. I'm like, this is so a matter of taste and weirdness. Like, it's, I don't know what we're doing here, but it just felt like a joke, you know? And, and I, but I loved organizing my pencils by color and I loved setting up a studio space and I loved you know the, seeing people's sketchbooks and process and hearing how they worked like I just was so much more fascinated in human creativity than I was in you know being represented by a gallery and that was when I took my first turn into what led to coaching which was I took a year a foundation year of expressive arts therapy training so I was like this is where now I'm taking the art and moving it into and getting skills in facilitating and exploring for myself, like just different media, you know, using my creativity in different ways and where the focus is like completely on the, the experience and the joy of creating, um, not the product of creating. That makes so much sense. I'm so happy for you and for those kids <laughs> who felt that way, who now get to work with you and and hear this as well I, I can almost sense like 
dozens of listeners going like, oh yeah, that's such a good reminder. Hundreds of them even. I needed to yeah. hear that. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. And also so funny then as I hear you talk, not to make this about me, but it's Go so funny it. <laughs> sometimes when you know people share something from their childhood, sometimes you get these hits of memories that you hadn't thought about, which in my case would have been 30 years that I've not had that memory. But I just remembered when I was four, I made out of clay a person on a toilet and I was so proud I got so much praise for it but some adults were a bit like that's not really what you make art about I was like but that is an important part of everyday life and it was very representational and like had really good um yeah, great shapes and colors and stuff I loved it yeah right and that I feel so fortunate like it I don't know if I didn't get encouraged as a young person, would I have followed this path? I don't mm. know. I can see how people don't. I see why mm. people end up with these wounds around art and creativity, mm. but like, you know, no one's thinking about abstract painting or, I mean, when you look at the artists that we celebrate or that, you know, do installations in parks outside the world, it's like these, they're not, they don't look like little cute drawings, you know? So like, these kids making what you would call a mess could mm-hmm. be, could have maybe been like extraordinary abstract expressionists, but yeah. <laughs> no one's recognizing that. Right. And yeah. 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 So yeah. true. And it's so, yeah. And then that moment of being proud of like, <laughs> Oh, the way this little leg is like dangling off the toilet was like, it's so, so satisfying, isn't it? To like mm. make something and actually like it. It's just, yeah. that's not always the case, but yeah. yeah. Then to be like, that's not, that's not right. That's not, what mm-hmm. art is and, and who the mm-hmm. hell is that person you know right. <laughs> we're just listening to like random parents raising us in suburbs these are not art experts <laughs> no in fact I have a friend I have these two friends who are both extraordinary artists they have an amazing son who I love and he and like so he's being raised by two like phenomenal creators he's failing art it's the only subject that he's failing <laughs> well no he he pulled it up a little bit I think he got a C or something but like it's absurd, right? Like who's giving him that grade? And that is whatever. absolutely mind blowing. That, that yeah. it is even technically possible that you can fail <laughs> art. It's just unbelievable, isn't it? I know. I think yeah. no one should be able to fail school in any way, shape, or form. Yeah. I think yeah. you know. But anyway, that's a different, yeah. a different yeah, yeah. rabbit hole to go down. Yeah, yeah. But I would really love to hear more about how you first got married to yourself. I've yes. heard the story before, but I just never get tired of it. You know, <laughs> I just I would listen to it ten more times. I love your podcast so much, and yeah. By the way, people should really check that out. I will link to that in the show notes as well. So if you listen to the story once now, you hear it again. <laughs> there are resources for that. It's okay. <laughs> God, yeah, the, you know, it's so funny. It's just yesterday and I, it was just last night. So I don't remember the illustrator's name, but someone drew, um, there's a poem called Bride. Do you know this? It's from a book called, I think, Goldenrod. We will link all this to, cause I just, it was something I scrolled through and my brain mm-hmm. doesn't hold all that information, but someone wrote a beautiful poem ca- about called Bride about, basically it's a self-marriage vow. It is gorgeous and it surfaced around a bunch but I guess it went on another wave of Instagram like sharing and whatever and it someone of course sent it to me and then um, a, a comic illustrator uh, made uh, was inspired by that and also drew a little picture of a woman getting married and what kind of in a church and there was like a woman marrying her and they're holding a book in the kind of traditional um, image 
And it was like, do you vow to love and honor yourself through like weight loss and weight gain and happiness and joy, you know, whatever. And, you know, there was so much enthusiasm in the comments. And for a lot of people, this was an intro, like, they're like, this should be a thing. Like, this is, this is such a great idea. And I was like, yeah, <laughs> like, it is. <laughs> it's such a great idea. Um, it makes me so happy to see it resonating so much with people, you know, um, because I didn't have any of that. So my, you know, I've been married for 20 years, which is like kind of wild. I know. Um, I just celebrated in June to my 20th anniversary and mine kind of came about where I was, I was an art student. I was working part-time. Maybe I had just graduated actually. So I had this like job that I, you know, whatever. It was kind of a flash dance job. I got to wear coveralls and that was why I loved it. Cause Alex in Flashdance wore coveralls. Um, <laughs> so, but I basically got a horoscope. It was the Free Will Astrology that's written by Rob Bresney, who wrote Pronoia. Um, and he, at whatever, for whatever reason, the Sagittarian horoscope for the end of that calendar year was, you know, you should, you're the one, you should propose to, I, you know, all Sagittarians should get themselves a ring, a Tiffany diamond, blah, 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 and like marry yourself. And I, you know, it was just this moment where, you know, so I, as you know, like I, you know, I grew up like, you know, really into crushes and, you know, dating and kind of obsessing and not always in the best ways and with the best people, which I'm sure is relatable for a lot of us. But um, I got to a point where I just sort of started thinking that maybe it's not really a guarantee. And maybe like this love, like, I don't know if this epic love story is going to happen. And at some point I was also listening or reading Dan Savage and he was like, no, we're not all guaranteed soulmates. Like he was just doing a tough love. <laughs> like That's not it. Like a lot of people die alone. So like just this idea that there's like this destiny that we're all going to get this perfect ending is not necessarily true. And so just kind of looking at that, it wasn't really a pessimistic place. It was just sort of a practical thing where I was like, do I want to be living my life waiting for this big event or this big love? And what am I putting off? And, you know, I wasn't like trying to be like negative thinking or negative fantasizing, but like, I wanted to be really clear. Like, what if it didn't happen? How would I feel at the end if it didn't happen? And I didn't want to be devastated and feel like my life didn't have meaning or that somehow I missed something or it wasn't a life fully lived because of course it would have been. And the only difference would be is because I believed that someone else choosing to love me or marry me was going to be the thing. Like the belief in that was the source of the disappointment or the potential disappointment. And I just started thinking like, what if I just got married to myself? I take this horoscope, I actually do it. And then I can just like, everything else is bonus. Like I will just love and treat myself this way. And I'm not waiting for anybody, right? And no one can pity me and like, whatever. It's just like, it's just not, just take that whole storyline out. Um, and so then I just started, it was, so, you know, how did it feel was like, it was exciting, but it was also really awkward. And I feel like it's important to say that because I know I've seen other people's pictures of their self weddings and it all looks very beautiful, just like the wedding industry, right? It's like, someone's got a flower crown and there's like a beautiful meadow or a beach and, you know, the vows are very flowery and very wonderful. And that's part of it. But it was also incredibly like <laughs> awkward because I didn't have examples. And I was still like, I was alone. I didn't really know who would make fun of me. I didn't really tell many people at all. I was planning it all in secret. It was fun when I was alone. That was part of what made it feel good. It was like, I liked making 
going like, oh, do I want an engagement ring? No, like my hands were always so dirty because of the work I did. Um, so rings were out, but I, I made myself a beaded necklace on Valentine's Day to propose. And um, I had leather wristbands made from this like store that normally I would never, couldn't have afforded at that time. Uh, so that I needed to have that splurge to feel like I wasn't like cheaping out on myself, right? Um, I picked an engagement song that was popular at the time so that I would be reminded if I walked into a mall or if a car drove by with the windows down, I would hear it and it would bring me back if I, cause I knew, I knew that I was gonna try to wiggle out of it. And when it's just you and you, there's the accountability is just you, right? Like it's very, I could have just bailed on that wedding and abandoned her at the altar or whatever. And nobody would ever know except for me. And I was like, I can't do that to myself. Like, how could I live with myself after proposing and then bail and then just go on with my life, right? So, um, so I planned it for June 7th. And again, there's like a lot of practical things. It's the opposite day of my birthday in the calendar year. So I have this half year celebration of the year I came to be and the year I chose myself or the month I chose myself. And um, I called in sick and I went to uh, Center Island in Toronto. I got on a ferry. I did like the old new borrowed blue thing. I had vows written. I found an empty spot on the beach. It was a weekday. So it was mostly empty except for those two girls that walked by and <laughs> what are you doing it was it was hilarious I was like I was feeling awkward anyway and then these people I had set up this blanket and I had a stuffed bunny and like it was very clear I was doing something weird right and then one of them was like okay ask what you're doing and I said I'm getting married and they were like oh that's so nice but like I'm just a woman alone with a toy on a beach right like <laughs> so and they're like, who are you marrying? And I said, me. And like, it was, I'll just never forget it. Cause one of them, like their faces just kind of froze. And you could tell that there was, there was the one asking. And then there was her friend and her friend did not want to stop, did not want to talk to me. It was very clear. I think if they were holding hands, she would have been doing that squeeze, like, let's get out of here. <laughs> but the other one just thought about it for a second. And she said, um, well, I, I think that's very empowering. And I said, thank you. And then they just sort of wished me luck and walked away. But then it's like, it's a big beach and we're alone. So it took so long for them to like <laughs> get out of earshot. Like I'm sure they were dying to start talking about it, but they had to wait till they were <laughs> far away. But then I took a photo of them. I was like, I have witnesses. I have someone saw this. So like, this isn't just something I did by myself. Like I've been sent witnesses on the beach. And so that was like 20 years ago. And what I often compare it to is like anybody who gets married at a young age, like, I know people who got married, you know, right out of high school or like in their early 20s with their first love. And there's so much you don't know when you, you get married there. That's very romantic and some of them last and some of them don't. But it's it's coming in from a place of you just don't even know what you don't know yet in terms of what it takes and what your vows mean. Like it's really easy for an like able-bodied 22 year olds to stay in sickness and in health. I mean, like, you know what I mean? Like, you just have no, you might think you have an idea, but you don't really. Right. So, um, yeah, I see, like I got married in that kind of a way, like a puppy love kind of way. And I, you know, couldn't just leave myself. So the lot, the next 20 years was just finding ways of like deepening the vows of how, what they meant and, how they guided the choices in my life. I think that's what I've realized is that it's really a, like this amazing compass, this container for the relationship. 
and this compass of making choices. It changes, marrying yourself changes the trajectory of your life because it changes your choices if you are honoring your vows, which is why I think the marriage part is significant because, you know, um, self-love is great. And it could be like, oh, we don't have to get married. We can just love ourselves or accept ourselves. The difference that marriage makes is that it holds you accountable to it, right? It's like it creates that container, creates that vows. And you're like, I've made a commitment to love myself even when I'm unlovable. Because where are you when the love is gone? You know, <laughs> you're like, I love myself here and there. And then every once in a while, we, you know, life throws us a curve. And what if we can't access it? Well, we haven't really committed to anything. You know, um, my self-marriage has helped me hold, you know, that to have and to hold is like to hold myself, to hold myself accountable to the commitment I made to love myself throughout my lifeline. Mm, yes, I love that so much. I, I love that it's been 20 years. That's incredible. I and I love these two people coming along as, as witnesses. <laughs> That's super funny. And I loved everything. You said about being held and the good and the bad times and the puppy love and then not really knowing what it means, right? Like, yeah. oh my gosh, I had no idea. Ooh. Who knows yeah. any of these things? Yeah, yeah. yeah. Mm. Which is a lovely bridge into my next question. Um, I know this is a weird one because we couldn't have known and yet I sometimes wonder this anyway, but what do you wish you, your younger self would have known about all of this about having a relationship with yourself being married making art starting a business <laughs> yeah oh I think I wonder like sometimes I just wonder if like you know we know what we need to know when we need to know it you know like the stages of development right um I wonder how my life would be different if I had known as a younger person that really the point of you know, falling in love and being an artist, those two things, um, creativity and love. If I had known that actually it wasn't about, like it wasn't a performance or a product or it wasn't dependent on feedback from other people and that it was actually a gift for me to enjoy, like to like enjoy my creativity and to develop this gift of creativity. Um, to, to be a source of love, to be able to choose how and when I have loving feelings and enjoy how that love changes me. Like it actually doesn't, obviously we're, you know, social creatures, humans need belonging. I'm not saying that we all can just do this in a bubble and like whatever, but that it starts there and that it's a gift for us, not like something to gain love from an outside source. And, um, you know, it's something that we can give, but it's something that we can give ourselves and it's, and it's limitless, like creativity and love. There's no limit on it. You know, we can, we can have as much as we want, as much as we allow ourselves to have. And, you know, I've been thinking a lot about these things as gifts and what that means. Like some people, I guess they, you know, say it's like a God given gift or whatever, a gift that we arrive as creatures, we arrive with something in us. And I think of how many people refuse the gift right like play it off like when I say like oh wow you really have a way with plants well you know I read a book you know whatever you'd like that's a beautiful dress like well yeah you know it was like it was six dollars I found it in a bin you know it's like okay but like you know we just are really quick to like shuffle off any compliments right but like it's like these are gifts given to us it's like if we allowed ourselves to really receive them like 
I am, I do have a way with plants. I wonder what else is in this gift. So then it's like, it's gratitude. It's an act of gratitude to own, to receive the gifts that we've been given and then to develop them and bring them to life in a fuller expression, right? Like, it's like you've been given some kind of seed of whatever, some talent, some pursuit. And it's like, it doesn't mean that you're better than anybody. It's just the gift that you got, right? So he's like, okay, what's in here and what can I do with it? Um, you know, viewing creativity and love and all of these things in, in that way. Um, I'm curious. I'm, I don't know if I would have been able to understand it, but I think um, it would have been an interesting shift. Yeah. Yeah. Mm. I sometimes dream about meeting my younger self at the moment. And <laughs> there's not like a lot of conversation going on, but I always wake up having similar thoughts and being like, yeah, time is so interesting in that way, isn't it? Yeah. yeah. Like I, all those, those questions of going back in time, I'm, I'm like, I kind of don't want to mess with it. Cause I don't know. Like <laughs> yes. you just don't you know. Like if you do, if you mess up one little thing yeah. at an earlier stage, maybe these other things wouldn't have happened. Like you try mm -hmm. to take a little pain point away and it's like, oh, but all of this mm -hmm. growth happened around that pain point, right? Mm -hmm. Like the joy that you described with your little toilet sculpture, right? <laughs> it's like, that was like you enjoying mm -hmm. your gift of creativity, right? Mm -hmm. Like it was yours in the moment. You weren't doing it for someone else, right? Mm -hmm. It was just like, oh, like I love the way this feels. I love <laughs> the way this looks, right? And so, yeah, I think, yeah, maybe if if my younger self or our younger selves can't fully understand <laughs> the concepts, just encouraging the joy of it, right? Like, what do you love about that? Are you enjoying yourself? Like just teaching that it's okay to like actually enjoy these things as opposed to, oh, that's good. Your dad's going to love that. It's very different, right? <laughs> like and those, those thoughts are all getting planted in pretty deep. Yeah. Yeah, they really are. Yeah. Mm. Um, gosh, I forgot my next question. I just had it. That's uh, my brain. Um, oh yeah. Okay. Got it. I got it. So, <laughs> so you also fell over. I feel so yeah. much kinship with you. <laughs> yes. You fell over in a totally different way. It's not really yeah. comparable, but you too fell over. <laughs> I did. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. What was that like? And how has it changed your practice and your life and what's important to you right now? Yeah. Well, yeah. Um, so I fell, it was, you know, it was so funny. I did a reading that night um, at an open mic and I read a chapter from my upcoming book, Crash Bloom. It was a big deal. And then I did that thing where I announced to everybody, like I read the chapter and then I was like, I'm going to finish this book in June. Like I just, you know, I've never been one who like uses that technique of like, tell everybody that you're a big, crazy goal. And then, you know, you'll hold yourself accountable. That doesn't usually work for me. I tried it out that night. And then literally on the way, like an hour later, I'm laying on the sidewalk. <laughs> like, so it was, um, you know, this is Toronto in February. It was, it was actually Valentine's day, my engagement anniversary, uh, black ice on the sidewalk. You can not see it. It is like unforgiving. I just wiped out like the way you see a cartoon person, like slip on a banana peel. Like my feet just went whoop. And then I was on my back flat, smacked the back of my head on the sidewalk. And yeah, it was obviously, it was terrifying. I remember like not feeling anywhere near the amount of pain that I knew I should be feeling. Like I remember the fear and this very bizarre sensation in my body. And I remember the thought, 
oh, like there's a lot I can't feel right now. Like I knew that my body was protecting me. Like, so I was like, oh, something's wrong because I feel a little too calm and I can't move. And <laughs> this is terrifying. Um, I didn't lose consciousness, which is one of the questions people will ask, like assessing concussions and brain injuries. But now, like when I look back, I'm like, I had a change of consciousness. Like it wasn't, I didn't lose it, but it definitely changed there. Um, so for those, you know, there's a lot of misinformation around concussion. So I didn't get, it's, it's so challenging to get the kind of information and help in recover of what to expect and what to test for and how to care for it. And it's, um, God, I learned so much because like, well, and, and my ability to learn, my ability to read, my ability to remember, like all this little tools that, you know, your, your brain uses are suddenly just offline. You know, it's like having a phone and all of your apps are like, I'm sorry, there's not enough storage. And you're like, but <laughs> like, how do I do anything? And like, and then you want to get help, but you, your phone app is like disabled and like you, your speech app is disabled. Like, it's just like, I don't even know how to get help. Like I need so much help and I can't get it. Somehow I made it through there, but what it like, um, and I'm still, so it's worth three and a half years out and I'm still in recovery. I'm doing, um, I'm seeing a neuro optometrist. So someone who specializes in how the eyes and brain are connected. I'm doing physio there. Um, my life has changed dramatically in terms of how I need to organize it. I've, uh, my radius has gotten really small in terms of just, you know, the, the spoon theory, right? Like I just know, um, I've just, I just sort of had to cut off. I'm just like, I don't go see anyone. I don't go past this block. I'm not making plans to do that. Cause there's, I just, it's really mind boggling how much energy the brain needs to do tasks we take for granted all the time. And I'm sure there's probably people listening who relate, who have other kinds of, you know, neurodiverse experiences. And, and what's so, one of the huge challenges is the fact that it's invisible and it's so closely associated with how people will interpret, including yourself, your personality and your identity. So it's not just like, oh, I can't read, I'll find another, I'll read audiobooks. It's like your whole identity, the way you communicate, the frequency of your communication, and that affects all of your relationships. And then people don't understand. It's like, and then you don't have the energy to help them understand because you're just trying to get through the day. Like, it, <laughs> so obviously, um, you know, and this was one of those sickness and in health moments. So I've been married to myself for like, you know, however many years, over a decade and a half. And it's like, oh, <laughs> so this is one of those sickness and in health moments. How do I love myself through this? How do I support myself through this? All of these things are changing in my life. All of my relationships are changing. So, you know, with my, my self-marriage is about like how I can have my own back and be loyal and protective, also encourage growth and like my best, you know, ex experience of this life. and. Um, it was really, really challenging. Um, now, looking back on it, I can see that one of the huge lessons was about, um, I had started doing some work around boundaries before the fall, and then the fall was like, okay, now we're, <laughs> now it's go time, because like, yeah, you can't just kind of dawdle on this whole boundary situation. I If I didn't protect my myself, my mind, my state of peace, uh, my stress levels, my day, all that stuff. If I didn't protect it, 
Um, it wasn't just annoying or emotionally disruptive. It would literally cause harm to my brain and prolong a brain injury. And I didn't know what those side effects were. So it, it was more life and death than just, oh, I have bad relationships. It was like, <laughs> no, like when this person is infringing on the boundary and I tell them, you know, I need to do this to protect my brain. And for whatever reason, they think they have a say in that, or they think that their feelings are more important than that. I had to be very clear with myself and with them that that's, that's just a no, right? It's just not okay. And it's just a no. And I had to um, be so much more brave in that department than I ever had been before. And I do wonder, you know, they say like uh, the universe will kind of whisper something to you. And then if you don't listen to the whisper, it taps on the window. <laughs> if you don't open the window, it opens the door. And if you don't open the door, it like rips the roof off, you know? So I feel like in some ways, I don't know if I would have been as, um, if I would have get, built the strength that I did need to build around self-care and boundaries um, in a more serious way. I don't know if I would have, if I didn't have to. You know, I don't like that that's true, but I think that that's true in my case. Oh, that just really got under my skin. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. No, just because yeah. it's so true. I feel exactly the same. Yeah. And, and yeah, 2021. Yeah, this has been, yeah, definitely. Yeah. <laughs> you know, and then the grace, right? Like, like it, that's a tricky thing to think about because then you're like, you know, I don't know about you, I can very easily then beat myself up or like, mm. I didn't listen to the whispers. <laughs> I didn't listen to the window. Like I was so bad at listening to my intuition that the universe had to make, you know, give me a brain injury. And it's like, oh my God, Jeanette, that's not, no. that's not being a good wife yeah. to yourself. <laughs> no. no, like finger wagging. And I told you so. So like, yeah. that's part of it too, is catching that. It's like, it's, it's a loving act. Mm. it sucks I don't want to say like I'm so grateful for my brain injury like no like it's been awful okay. it's just been awful yeah. <laughs> you know and um there's just there's, it's like the things we have power over the things we have control over and the things we don't it's like I can't change the fact that I fell I can't change the fact that my brain is doing what it's doing mm -hmm. um I can't change the other people's behavior mm -hmm. that was like the big thing is like mm -hmm. I don't have control over other people's mm -hmm. feelings and behavior mm -hmm. but I have control over mine yeah yeah absolutely mm -hmm. <sighs> I I can't believe how time is flying when I talk to you just double check <laughs> is it okay to go to 10 past is that all right for you yeah yeah okay, let's do I it, have yeah. a few more questions and I mean just just yes to everything that you just said and the invisibility part I also just want to reaffirm I'd never had a visible disability before um but an invisible one and now that it's so visible what I need you know I use a walker and when I go to the supermarket people will really you know step out of the way I can tell they don't always love it sometimes they're annoyed but they get what I need without me yeah. needing to communicate anything yeah. and it's so different it's it's yeah. really yeah I mean in some ways that I don't at all want to compare visible and invisible disabilities that's not what I mean but I think it's just interesting to think about um, how little experience we have collectively to think in a more kind, honest, creative way about people's needs and how they can be communicated, I guess. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah they're both vulnerable in, in different mm -hmm. ways, right? It's not yeah. that one's easier than the other. And it, I think for different people, mm -hmm. one would might 
seem, you know, quote unquote easier, mm-hmm. right? It depends mm-hmm. on the person and how you're feeling. And yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It just definitely has one of the gifts has been me really building empathy. I was, mm-hmm. I'm, I still am in a, and I'm in a, in a ton of ways, right? Ignorant and, you know, limited to the scope of my own bias and experience. Me but too. in yeah. this area, um, you know, whenever someone's complaining about how that, that person was so rude, why is that person just standing there? And I'm like, maybe they have a brain injury because I've done all of those things. Like I have had a panic attack in the middle of the street, standing there looking like a weirdo. I wasn't threatening anyone like, but I know. And in the moment I knew, I'm like, I know what I look like. I can mm-hmm. see people avoiding me. Mm-hmm. No one's asking to help me, you know, mm-hmm. or if you're, yeah, you can't read or you're whatever. It's just like any of these things. I'm just like, man, benefit of the doubt. Right. Yeah. Or, oh, another thing was riding the bus. So I look like a healthy, you know, able-bodied person riding the bus because at the time I still didn't, I just didn't accept the fact that I had to make huge changes in my life. So I was still letting people, you know, <laughs> tell me where to be and what to do and all that stuff. So I'm getting on buses and I mean, I was so sick from like, I needed to sit down because it was like dizziness, nausea, confusion, like not knowing who was going to come around behind me, like just freaking out. Everything in my nervous system was like alarm bells. It wouldn't be better. I mean, it wouldn't solve everything by sitting down, but it would help if I just had that seat that I could curl into and just kind of, you know, soothe myself and get to the subway. Um, But I, I just couldn't ask. You know, I was like, I know that I don't look like I need a seat or sometimes I'd have the seat and I wouldn't get up and I could see people doing that look around like, why aren't you giving your seat to this person? I'm like, cause I cannot stand up right now. Right. But I know that it doesn't look that way. So, you know, I, you know, yeah, it's just, it's really helped me remember and I'm not perfect at it by any stretch, but just to have a little more empathy and curiosity for that people are doing their best, you know. Yeah, so true. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Thank you. Mm-hmm. I I mean, I could, yeah, like I said, could be asking you 10 more <laughs> questions, but I know we're coming to an end. And I just I want to circle back to the work that you do and you have this beautiful program coming up. I, I know that, you know, I've been to a free workshop that you ran, I think a week or two ago, which is wonderful. And I just see you hold space in this incredibly beautiful permission giving shameless way <laughs> <laughs> and I would love to hear what's next for you in that like what is coming up for you in your work please share about your podcast as well because I think that it's yeah. just such an incredible free resource and I think especially for people it's a little tangent but I remember saying to you once like I love it that there's just one person talking <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> because interviews can be overwhelming you know like you don't know who this is and there's different voices to tune into and sometimes I'm so overwhelmed that even that will be too much and so your your podcast is um one that I'm listening to when I am at that point where I just Mm -hmm. don't want to take risks with strangers I don't want to hear anyone else's (laughs) life story that I don't know about you know and sometimes that's an amazing opening beautiful thing to do but sometimes I'm also just I eh, just want to hear Danette tell me a story <laughs> yeah, I'm so glad to hear that and that's you know I liked podcasts like that as well it was also a practical thing it was like this is post brain injury I couldn't read and write newsletters and write books like I didn't know how I was going to do that but I was just like I need to feel useful and purposeful because my identity was just being destroyed and my friend Allison Tarr of AllisonTarr.com but also of Tech Coven she uh, helped. She was like, we can do this. I can help you. I can, she can do whatever. I'm like, if I just speak into a microphone, she can 
helped me actually make it into a podcast <laughs> their witch magic. Um, and so she helped me do that. And it was a place where I'm like, okay, I can, you know, I don't have to look at a screen. I can just sit here and I can just speak. Cause I had this love and I had this desire to serve. And because all the traditional ways I had been teaching in person or in retreats, I, 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 you know, I didn't have the energy for it. It was harming me, but I still wanted to find a way to be of service. So it was such a gift to me to just be able to just sit. And I'm like, the first episode is what is self-marriage? Because I've been hanging on to it, Errol, for like years. Like, I mean, literally, right? I'd been married 20 years. And then I didn't tell people about it. I didn't plan it to be my work. But I think when I started blogging, I mentioned it. And then I was coaching and it kind of came became appropriate. People were curious about it. But I always just held back on the offering. I knew that the offering needed to be big. And, and this isn't that self-marriage needs to be big. This is my gift and my particular expertise and my particular approach to self-marriage. Because uh, I do believe it's a movement and my, my way of doing it is just one of many. Um, but I was like, this isn't a crash course. This isn't a free webinar. This, it, it can't be. I, I feel like it really needs to be as um, it needs to be given the kind of like energy and devotion and priority that we give other relationships, other love relationships or what we would see as marriage potential. Because otherwise it's always going to feel like this, oh, this little add-on, this little second fiddle, this little cute thing we did. And I'm like, no, like you are so much more important than that. This commitment is more important than that. We're talking about lifelong. It's not just you go to the beach and you have it throw a bouquet and you're like, oh, I did it. And then you just never visit this, right? Like there's nothing wrong with all that. But what I'm really interested in, just like with art, is the process. And I really love seeing things with a long growth cycle and seeing like the, I, I want it to mean something, right? Like I want, I feel like if I it would, I felt like I'd be doing a disservice by having some kind of like, you know, short, cute offering, because I would know that it wouldn't, it's like selling flowers that, you know, are going to die in three days, you know, like, it's like, it's nice for the moment, but like, I'd rather give someone like a full root bulb <laughs> with, with what I'm giving them, right. So that they can actually enjoy like the full, beautiful thing of this life, right. This work, it was really meaningful. Um, so yeah, with the with the podcast and also with the program, The Art of Self-Marriage, they were also creations that honored my cycle and my own brain needs because I can't be reading, writing, you know, doing a lot of things at once. So it's like, how can I maximize my energy and serve well, like maybe even better um, to like a larger group of people at once? So the podcast was perfect. I'm like, I can just speak my heart into this mic. And, you know, people can curl up with it and, you know, I can speak from the heart and I don't have to write it out first. Like I don't, sometimes I have notes, but they're really unscripted and you can really tell in some. <laughs> and there's definitely lots of laughter and, you know, it's just me talking. And I feel like I like those podcasts too, because interviews are also fabulous. I listen to all different kinds, but when I'm listening to one person, I feel like I'm in relationship with that person. It's just me and them. Like I'm not eavesdropping on them talking to someone else. I'm with them and I really like that. So that was there. And then the art of self-marriage is like, it's a year program because when people propose, 
they have a year of engagement at least, right? It's like, oh, we're going to have this engagement. And it's, they enjoy that freaking year. They plan engagement parties. They think about the wedding. They think about the, not just the wedding, but the marriage, right? They maybe get on board of like talking about how they're going to join their finances, how they're going to provide, where they would like to live. Like they're forming a partnership and they're being very intentional and celebratory about this kind of like, Commitment, and they're just enjoying the fact that they've made that commitment, right? That they know the commitment is coming. They're savoring it. They're savoring this choice and that it means something to them, right? So that's what I am here to give. I'm here to give and to hold that container because I know it's easy to slip out of. So I'm seeing it as like, I'm like, you know, holding someone's feet while they do like a sit up or something. Like, it's just like, it's really easy to roll over and like not do it and also sit ups are overrated but <laughs> you know, sometimes you just need I'm not doing the work but I'm gently holding people in this container for a year and we're developing like every month with a different module around like unconditional self-love and rising in love and uh, courtship and romance and self-trust and so it's sort of like how I think some um, spiritual institutions have like wedding classes you know, where couples will take these things together to prepare for their marriage. It's sort of like doing that for yourself. Like I'm like a self-marriage counselor or a self-marriage mentor and muse or whatever. Um, and there's a creative element to it because of course there is. And it's not, you don't have to be an artist. You've heard me say like, you know, it's just about what you enjoy and bringing creative, your creativity um, as, I mean, that's something that's, I know people put on the back burner big time, like, oh, I'd really like to do that. And it's so hard to make time for it. So I'm like basically opening up these spaces so that people like can come and have that time held for them, right? Making a commitment at the beginning. We do get to uh, writing and keeping vows and the ceremony and celebration, which I'm super excited about because there's so many different kinds of ways to have ceremony. I know yours was like really unique and, um, but they come at the end because um, actually I think in, in regular life and traditional relationships, I think a lot of people do focus on the wedding and not the marriage. And those are not the same thing, right? It's like the fantasy of like a lot of like, you know, put on little girls is like the, the dress and the flowers and the, you go here and you go there. And it's like, what happens after this? <laughs> Is anyone thinking about that part, right? So they're beautiful and important to honor it. And they're really fun ways to, I, I am all for someone spending like thousands of dollars to have the most epic wedding as, as much as any other couple might. And also getting married completely alone with like, you know, paper dolls and sticks in like a special place in the woods, like it, there's no right way to do it. And so another part of my mission is I believe that more people will be marrying themselves. And I want to create a space where people can come and not fall back into that trap of that it needs to look a certain way, just like we have with traditional marriages. Like, you know, we all, we can picture what it looks like, you know, that we know the elements and uh, I don't want self-marriage to fall. I feel like it can very well might like lean into just recreating that it's that is just one option like there's so many ways to do it and after a year of like connecting with your creativity um getting coached on it being in an in an, uh, a community where everybody's being selfish and shameless uh where you're not you know you're not going to get judged for it in fact you'll be encouraged to be more so i mean like 
it's really just putting a plant in the most optimal conditions to thrive. The plant might survive in lots of other places because they're very resilient. But this for me is about creating that beautiful garden space for people to come and to see what they can do, to see what grows, to see what how much bigger and more beautiful and fuller their experience of life can be when the conditions are loving and also when they love at their own pace, right? I've learned that. So a lot of coaching programs, I think, have like kind of like a hustle and we push and reach the goal and blah, blah, blah. And I know that like, you know, that really backfired on me and my nervous system. So I, I bring that understanding. And um, and the last piece that um, that I'm bringing as well is wanting it to just be a, a diet culture free space, which, you know, I, I realize that's something I have to be really intentional about because as I've explored, you know, different coaching spaces and groups, it's just so normal, like this idea of equating a smaller body with a with a win. <laughs> um, it's just so normalized. And it's very, it's kind of boring, but it's like in every self-help book I read, they'll use that example, right? They'll weight loss is some kind of example. And I just want people to know that that's not going to be celebrated as like, a, like, oh, you loved yourself enough to shrink your body. Like, I don't equate those two things, but I think in the movement, it is often equated. Like, I, I cared about myself enough to restrict four food groups. Like, I don't, that's not happening. I want people in whatever body you come in to know that that's not, that's not going to be in this space at all. Yeah, that's so important and beautiful. I'm really happy you said that. And yeah, just just yeah. really excited for the people who get to do this with you <laughs> and that this is happening and so excited to see what it's going to look like and how, yeah. yeah. Mm. Thank you so much, <laughs> Danette. We've covered so much ground today. There was so much beauty that I'm really, really excited to share with people. It feels like an episode that comes right at you know at the right time it feels really summery and luscious and like shameless and beautiful and, <laughs> and great and so thank you so much for being so generous and please before we go let us know what your website is and what your podcast is called yes you can find me at radicalcreativesanctuary.com uh, you can also go directly to theartofselfmarriage.com. It'll take you right to the page about the program. And my podcast is called The Soft Shoulder Podcast. And uh, you can find that, I know, on Apple and Spotify and wherever you listen to your podcasts. Mm, it is so good. And this will all be in the show notes as well. Thank you so much, Danette. Uh, it is my pleasure. Thanks so much for having me.